Hello, fellow travelers and leapers. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I am your host, Sam Fain, and it's time. The season premiere for season two, episode one, has just taken place. If you're watching this immediately following the episode, if not, you could be watching it the day after, the week after, the month after, years after, even who knows. However, from my perspective, it's just happened. Well, sort of, actually, technically speaking, this is the day before as I'm recording this, uh, but uh, I'm dropping it immediately following the airing of the season premiere, and I am thrilled. It's felt like a little bit longer uh, than, you know, just what is this, uh, six months? Um, it's, it, there's been so many things that have kind of occurred in between, uh, you know, both out there in the real world and even just for me personally. So that said, uh, I, I'm thrilled that, that we're here to be able to talk about the show again, especially in light of everything that's happened with the strikes. Uh, of course, the team having the foresight to, to get ahead of things and, and film these episodes. And uh, we, we, you know, not only do we have this one, of course, but we've got eight episodes total. So seven more after this one. I believe the plan is to run them basically just you know, weekly to, to not have any breaks, although there could be a couple here and there to, to stretch things out. We'll see how that goes. Um, you know, obviously we're in early October. Uh, so if they, if they run these eight through, um, you know, we'll, we'll run basically through to the beginning of December. Um, but you know, they could stretch that out a little bit to run us more towards mid December or whatever, before kind of what that traditional holiday break would be. Although there are plenty of shows, including quantum leap last season that would break kind of around November instead, and then come back after the new year. Um, we obviously, uh, are wondering what's going to happen with SAG-AFTRA and AMPTP. Uh, the discussions, negotiations have, of course, resumed. Um, my fingers are crossed. I, I know I'm not the only one. There's people that clearly have a much larger stake in it than any of uh, us fans do, but we would love to have things resolved so that we can get at least the five remaining episodes and hopefully more than that, get 10 more, get up to that 18 number that we had last season. Um, there's not a whole lot else kind of on the, the news front to talk about as far as the show goes or anything else, because we're kind of just at a, you know, at a standstill waiting for, for more information. Um, the writers and producers have been uh, able to promote the show a bit, which is great, you know, seeing people post about it and being able to kind of take that pride rightfully so in the show and the uh, impending debut of season two has been fantastic. And uh, I'm just, you know, kudos to them for uh, their work and for also what had to have been a very difficult time, not only the uncertainty um, with, you know, the strike, but also just wanting to talk about something they love and not being able to. And now they can. And I'm so glad to see that. Um, let's not waste any time, though. Let's just dive right in. This is episode 201, and it is This Took Too Long, written by Martin Garrow and directed by John Terleski. Um, right off the bat, we get something that is pretty fantastic, and that is, of course, uh, Deborah Pratt narrating the uh, sort of the prologue, um, much like she had for the series premiere episode um, last season, uh, only this time around, of course, she's kind of getting us up to speed on everything that happened in season one, as well as reinforcing the fact that Ben has not arrived home. Um, and immediately we see Ben leap into uh, a, a privy on a, a military aircraft and he realizes that he's not home and he's not happy about it. Uh, now, before we get into the rest of the episode, let's go back. Uh, John Trelesky is a director who has worked in film and television for a number of years, uh, most recently working on The Blacklist uh, and the Equalizer uh, television programs, uh, has also done a number of other television shows on multiple networks, including um, Timeless uh, for NBC, which, of course, gives us a little bit of the uh, time travel flavor, uh, as well as other genre shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and has a, has a career uh, going back not only as a director, but uh, as an actor as well, uh, and has uh, performed most recently in The Brave, uh, but numerous, again, film and television uh, appearances, uh, including Murder, She Wrote, which is a show that we've obviously referenced here before on Fate's Wide Wheel. Um, 
but a career that stems back all the way into the early eighties um, with a lot of uh, a lot of variety in there to say the very least. And clearly it served him well as he is now working as a director um, and I think does an incredible job uh, with this episode, quite frankly, I, I really, really appreciate the direction, the cinematography, the writing, everything about this episode, it, it ends up feeling very cinematic. And I think that there's a wonderful pace to it. Uh, there's a wonderful sense of tension to the entire episode. Uh, while also having you know the opportunity to take some detours with the flashbacks and moments of levity provided of course mostly by the abrams brothers we'll get to them in a second um but it's just a wonderful uh, very tight episode that i think um it really brings the viewers in and i have said this multiple times and can certainly stand by it now after you've seen the episode uh it feels like a wonderful jumping on point or leaping in point uh, for the series. So if you're coming to the series fresh, if you haven't seen all of season one, if you haven't seen much of season one, if you've never seen the classic series, whatever the case may be, this is such a great episode to jump in with. Uh, I firmly believe that. And uh, I, I think it's it's interesting. It's kind of funny. There's no intention behind it whatsoever. And the episodes themselves are very different, but it kind of mirrors what we've talked about before with Honeymoon Express and the classic series. Honeymoon Express was such an excellent jumping on point for new viewers if they hadn't necessarily seen season one or all of season one um and and in some ways i think encapsulated what the show was better than most of season one quite frankly so um this this, this mirrors that in in many many ways and and i really appreciated that of course martin garrow is our writer and martin is indeed the showrunner co-showrunner with dean drogeris um and uh you know known for numerous uh programs uh most recently uh keep breathing kung fu um before the this. He was working on The Blind Spot, which is another show that he um, was the showrunner on, uh, and lots of other television programs. One of my favorites, we mentioned this before uh, a while back after he was named showrunner, was Bored to Death, which is just a fun show on HBO with uh, Ted Danson, Jason Schwartzman. Um, and uh, yeah, his, his writing on this episode is just fantastic. I think that the episode really sparkles in, in so many ways, and uh, the, the writing is definitely one of those departments. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing you know what's going to come from him next. The other thing that's really, really nice uh, about this episode, especially compared to the other episodes that he's written for the series thus far, um, is it, it feels a little bit more... I don't want to say the other episodes were not his voice in any way, shape or form, but this, for some reason, to me, feels just a little bit more. Um, it, 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 to me, it feels a little bit more like uh, his voice free of maybe any of the entanglements uh, of coming in as a showrunner uh, to to replace, you know, the former showrunners. And 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 this kind of sets the template, I think, more for what he envisions the show to be. And I, I have every feeling that that's going to continue on the vibe that we're going to get from season two is very much a case of the writers and producers in that room being able to, you know, to say like, this is our show. This is what we see the show as, and this is what we want it to be. Um, and not feel beholden to anything that might've been left over or already put in place before they got there. And that is not to, cast uh, any shade or, or critical too critical of an eye on any of the people that were working on the show before you know the, the folks that we're more familiar with now got there it's just to say that uh when you come into a situation like that how much of your own stamp can you really put on something um you know when you're dealing with time and money and the efforts that have already kind of been laid down um you want to be respectful of that and you want to of course acknowledge that and, and and be able to work within the framework that you're given but now it genuinely feels like season two allows them to create their own framework while still honoring season one it's not like they've just thrown that, you know, out the hatch and said, okay, you know, forget about all that. This is what the show is. They're still honoring that and, and carrying over all of the wonderful character development and, and story points that we got from season one. It just feels refreshed. And I'm not even certain that the show needed that refreshing. You know, I've spoken to a few people and I, I've mentioned that a couple of times and it, it does. It just feels fresher in a lot of ways. And, and it feels a cut above. They've stepped up their game in every way, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, you know, the writing and the directing of this episode, I think it goes a long way to supporting that. So it's great to see uh, the show just feels bigger and better. Um, and I, I think it's one of those cases that for me personally, had I not seen it like this, I never would have known um, that it could be this. 
uh, because my imagination, I guess, just filled in the gaps or something like that. I don't know. But I was always happy with season one. There was nothing, you know, about it that made me feel like, well, you know, this is awful and they better change things. It, it, it just ends up feeling like, wow, this is kind of like this is the surprise and the treat I never knew that I needed until I got it. And now I look at season two and it's sort of like, wow, you know, this is this is special and and, and I'm really, really pleased with it. Um Let's move on to the episode itself. Of course, uh, you know, we see Ben immediately. He's frustrated, uh, upset, angry, even uh, about the fact that he is not back at the project. He did not get home. And man, it's easy to feel it. It's easy to feel his disappointment and his anger and his frustration. And it it feels like this wonderful Again, I don't think it's intentional um, thread to the original series. You know, we've, we we saw in the classic series a number of times, you know, Sam's frustration over not being able to get home. Um, and this just echoes a lot of that really, really well. Um, he calls out for Addison and there's no response, um, which isn't too strange. Of course, you know, uh, there are a lot of leaps that we don't see the observer right away, going back to the classic series, obviously, and the first season of the revival. So it's not, you know, too uh, out of the norm to, to have not seen Addison at this particular point in time. Um, then we hear a voice uh, calling him Perez. Uh, and, you know, we know, we know that the, obviously he is, he's, he's not Ben, he's still leaping. And we find out soon after due to some great uh, super titles on the screen that uh, he is in 1978, somewhere over Russia on this plane. And uh, there's a box, a big box on the plane, and no one seems to know what is inside of it. Uh, we get introduced to the Abrams brothers, Ronnie and Enoch, played by a Aaron Abrams and PJ Byrne, respectively. Um, they're arguing over what's in the box, and it it's a wonderful scene. And again, it's a testament to the writing and the acting here, because I, I felt like this is just a wonderful way to draw us in, get us engaged. We're all wondering what's in the box. And uh, I, I, I think that there's kind of some interesting perhaps, you know, uh, something meta about this box, which we'll get to a little bit more later. Um, and I really enjoy that aspect of it. Um, but of course, you know, just even from a story perspective, it's the perfect kind of Hitchcockian, you know, thing. It's like, uh, you're MacGuffin. What's, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter what's in the box. Is that really what's going to propel us through on the story? But we're interested, we're intrigued, it hooks us, you know, it's the suitcase in Pulp Fiction, right? And, um, the chemistry between Aaron and PJ is fantastic. Uh, the, 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 the pace of the dialogue, the speed, the rapid delivery is fantastic. The sort of the frenzy, the lather they're working themselves into over what is in this box. Could it be this a supernatural relic? Uh, there's German writing on the box. So, you, you know, uh, Enoch thinks that it's perhaps some sort of occult object, supernatural relic uh, left over from the, the, the Third Reich or something. Uh, Ronnie puts the kibosh on that. He thinks it's extraterrestrial. Um, they have this little discussion about Roswell, which is an interesting bit. Again, I don't know if it's intentional or foreshadowing, perhaps, uh, um, as we've seen from the trailer. Of course, there's an episode where perhaps there's something going on with a UFO or something. Who knows? Uh, but of course, Ronnie's quick to put the kibosh on that and says, no, 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 no. Angel Fire, New Mexico. That's where it all happened, which you can look that up. Of course, there are a lot of people um, who uh, think that Angel Fire is a bit of a nexus for for UFOs dating back over, you know, 50 years or so. Um, the, the, you know, again, yeah, the brothers, uh, the, the work here is just sublime and, and it's all throughout the episode. And of course, most of the moments of levity we get in the episode are courtesy of the two of them, although not entirely. Ben has some wonderful moments as well, which Raymond, of course, is just perfect in. Um, the the kind of argument over what's in the box is quickly uh, uh, put to an end when Curtis Bailey says that he has had enough of their guessing, played by Francois Arnaud, um, and uh, who's recently been on Yellow Jackets, actually, uh, and says that he doesn't care. He just wants out of the military purgatory they've been in for the past five years, which can happen if they deliver the box successfully. Uh, he has a great line about knowing secrets in the Air Force isn't fun or cool. It just bites you in the ass. Um, then we see Melissa, Melissa Roxburgh as Ellen Greer. Um, and, you know, again, she's kind of an, echoing Bailey as far as like, you know, 
Nobody open the box, leave the box alone. Everybody shut up. We're here to finish our mission. And she starts you know, telling everybody kind of like, this is what you want, right? This is what you want, right? And she gets to Ben and she says, you finally get to go home. Isn't that what you've always wanted? And Ben, of course, says, yeah, it is. The great moment. It's one of those excellent moments that we get. And you know, we saw uh, many times in the classic series, and we've seen a few times here in the revival series as well, when obviously something that... Um, you know, Ben is hearing on the leap hits him as Ben, uh, even though it was obviously being delivered to who he is leapt into, in this case, Perez. Uh, as soon as this kind of happens, the plane gets hit by uh, a missile, a SAM, a uh, surface to air missile, and things go caca, to say the very least. Ben thinks he's there to save the plane from going down. Uh, you know, he's got all this confidence. I can save them. I can do this. But uh, before he can, of course, he just gets, you know, swept out, uh, almost out of the plane. Um, and it, yeah, the the... The plane goes down. The next thing we see is Ben lying on the ground. He's, he's cut up and, and, and dirty now and uh, has survived the plane crash. Um, luckily, uh, all of our team, except for the pilot, the captain, ha have survived. Um, and when when Ben gets uh, woken up by Bailey, um, we see you know, the crash site for the first time. And the crash site effects look great. Uh, it looks like it's a combination of both CGI and practical, and it works really well. It, it looks fantastic. And this is really one of those first moments when, as you just start to take in the scope of things, you see the landscape and you see the crash site where it really is feeling very cinematic. We're getting this kind of, um, you know, wonderful feel uh, uh, um, that that is, you know, reminiscent of something like, um, you know, Flight of the Phoenix or something like that. Um, Take your pick between the original with Jimmy Stewart or the remake. Uh, but in addition to that, I also got a lot of vibes of like MacGyver, um, which comes to play later uh and uh and 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 you know similar shows it, it had that vibe of kind of like some of the 80s shows that went for a little bit of a bigger scope that you know that tried to tell those stories that felt kind of like you know films on the screen and yeah there was a television budget and yeah they weren't necessarily always able to really hit the mark but macgyver was one of those shows in particular where you had this you know international scope and you know most of the time it was just shot in California, right? But uh, it, it, it always had the ability to kind of aspire to more and look a little bit bigger. And this is an instance where the show really, really does uh, look bigger. And, and um, again, it was something that I took note of right away. Uh, so at this point, it looks like Enoch is is trapped um, and thinks that he's dying and, and Ronnie's trying to save him, uh, but can't uh, get it to move. The, he's kind of trapped under one of the, the wheels of the, of the plane. And Ben and uh, Bailey are able to, uh, you know, get a, a lever and fulcrum and get him out of there. Um, but before they do, Enoch has this great line about wanting to confess uh, this, this horrible betrayal uh, to Ronnie, um, but they save him before he can. And so now Ronnie is left questioning like what's the betrayal and Enoch is just like I didn't know what I was talking about I thought I was gonna die uh, <laughs> and it carries through um, and the humor of it it repeats and, and it's it's really wonderfully done one of the things that's great about both um, you know Ronnie and and Enoch as played by Aaron and PJ is that you know the humor it, it, it never feels forced it feels very grounded it feels very realistic there's just wonderful chemistry between the two of them I mean it's so good it, it, it's almost a surprise you know when you think about the fact that like well you know they get to do this once we're not going to see Enoch and, and, and Ronnie again right and yet they they do such a wonderful job the two of them together um it's 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 great you know and uh you know PJ Byrne is, is, has done uh, a lot of stuff, um, you know, most recently um, been seen in Gen V, which is that uh, the boys spinoff um, has also uh, was also in Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Babylon, um, you know, a number of, of um, programs, including the, the boys as well as, as Cobra Kai um, and, you know, been been working for for quite a while now, um, you know, going back to uh, the uh, early 2000s, 2001, um, and, and just done a lot of uh, both film and television. Um, and, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Aaron Abrams, who played Ronnie Abrams, I wanted to say Ronnie Abrams, because that's the character's name, but Aaron Abrams, uh, very similarly, you know, lots of uh, uh, film and television as well, most recently in uh, The Watchful Eye, uh, has also been on NCIS Hawaii, um, Blindspot, 
Um, he did 23 episodes of The Blind Spot, so obviously he's worked with Martin before. Um, and uh, yeah, just a number of other uh, uh, films uh, and, and television programs as well. Um, Melissa Roxburgh, who plays Ellen Greer in this episode, um, she's probably um, most well known uh, recently from Manifest um, and prior to that uh, had been in television program Valor, um, done a number of things, was in Star Trek Beyond, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. So lots of genre stuff in here mixed with, uh, of course, um, some other things that are a little bit more grounded, if you will. She's also in a couple of episodes of Arrow. Uh, she does a great job uh, as Ellen Greer. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me to note that um, perhaps the person who uh, has kind of the more most prominent role of the guest cast, if you will, although it feels like such a, a genuine ensemble, so it's hard to even say that. Um, she flies a little under the radar for, for good portions of the episode because of the fact that the Abrams brothers are given such wonderful, you know, dialogue and they handle it so well. And there's this beautiful chemistry between them because Francois Arnaud as, as Curtis Bailey does just some really wonderful, wonderful work. And it's a shame that we don't get to see, you know, more of him uh, or we won't get to see more of him uh, after this episode and, and same with the, the Abrams brothers. But as the episode goes on, the thing that Melissa is able to do through the course of the episode that I really enjoy is, 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 build to kind of the moments of, of importance for, um, for Greer. And there are two moments in particular that play so well, almost because she kind of flies a little under the radar at times. And uh, it's just, uh, to me, it's kind of a sign of, of, of a very giving actor of someone who's, who's not there to try to hog the show or steal the spotlight, let other people do what they're going to do and knows when to kind of call their shot knows when, you know, those, those moments of focus really are. And it's also a, tri a tribute, I guess, uh, to the, to the writing and the directing as well, because it, the, the path is clear for her to have those moments when necessary, um, which is, which is great. So, uh, at this point, Enoch's leg is bleeding a lot. Ben has to rush into a fiery plane to get the med kit. Again, he's calling for Addison. Addison is not there. Um, there's this wonderful kind of matter of factness about the way that he handles the danger of going into the plane. Like when he looks up and he sees the flaming plane, he's just sort of like, yeah, of course, this is this is my life now. And he, you know, he rushes in. At this point, of course, he sees uh, um, Greer and... Uh, Greer wants help getting the crate out because the box is still stuck in the plane. Um, and, you know, Ben is just sort of like, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. But, you know, she will not leave the crate. Uh, he, he wants Addison to kind of help him figure out how much time they've got. She's not there. They got to move. They get it out. Plane explodes. Great VFX again. Um, again, that mix of practical and CGI, it, it worked really, really well. And uh, again, it's just to reinforce what I was saying earlier. Everything looks more expansive, more cinematic. Um, it, it just feels a cut above from last season. Uh, Greer attempts some communication, but the radio phone is busted. Uh, it's a great moment for her, and, and it feels kind of understated because she's she's clearly upset. She's you know just emotionally drained, and 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 it's clear she doesn't know what to do at this point. Um, you know they're, they're, they've got their mission, but how the hell are they going to get out of this? Okay, she's got to be the one to be in charge, and. Um, at the, at the same time this is happening the captain who died in the in the in the crash is being buried they're you know discussing what they should say about him um enoch ends up trying to have a little bit of uh uh you know, commentary about him. Uh, he says he's from Iowa. He's actually from Idaho. Ronnie tells him it, it's just a nice moment again, played for humor, but there's also a, a gravitas to it. Um, Bailey ends up taking um, a, a ring from the captain says his wife would want to have this. Ben notices. It seems like there's a little bit of weight to this. Um, Greer has no problem saying that, you know, the, the captain was an awful person and, you know, they didn't like him. Uh, let's just move on. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, again, focus on the mission kind of moment. Um, there's a really nice moment when, when uh, Bailey takes the ring, Ben has this wonderful flashback. And I think for fans of the show coming in from season one, and for fans of the classic series, this particular moment, this flashback that happens about 10, 11 minutes in to the episode proper, give or take with, you know, commercial breaks and such is going to be just a, a tasty morsel to say the least. Um, we see Addison in the Fermi suit. Um, they're running some tests. 
that that reminder that she was originally going to be the leaper. And another reason why this episode is such a great leaping in point, because we, we get all the information we need to know. Some of the stuff that was kind of spelled out for us in the original premiere, right? It's not, it's not that, right? We're getting, instead, we're getting this wonderful kind of just economy of storytelling. We see her in the farming suit. We know what that means. We get kind of the, the idea that like, okay, she's leaping. And yes, it's discussed a little bit between Magic and Ben, but it's not necessarily stated in this kind of expository way. Instead, we get this wonderful character moment between Ben and Magic about Ben having his doubts and, and fears and, 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 and really, you know, being worried about Addison. And Magic has this wonderful, wonderful line um, about saying, hard as it is to be the time traveler, uh, it's harder uh, uh, to be the people left behind. For them, there's no adventure, just the longing. And Ernie just fucking nails it it's it's so good and it feels like an incredibly important moment and it's a moment that kind of feels like it pays off some of the stuff from season one the character moments especially ben's journey um and of course the 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 the, the journey of the project the team members back at home you know we see all of that but we often don't get it encapsulated in, in such a wonderful way and it's just it's a great piece of dialogue and 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 again ernie's delivery is fantastic um of course, for classic series fans, one of the things that might be even cooler here is that we get Sam name checked, we get Al name checked, and perhaps even more importantly, we get the information that Sam has a wife. Now, of course, if you're a fan of the classic series, you know this already from the leap back. However, this is not a piece of information that has been given out at all in the revival series until now and it's lovely it's awesome i think for a lot of people who have been wanting more who've been wanting confirmation where's donna what's happening with donna where's sammy joe what's this it's just a nice reminder i think from the the the, the team working on the show saying like we know, you know, we know, even if it's not a direct response, even if it's not put in there for that reason at all. It's just, I think, hopefully for fans of the show that might have been disappointed that some of those things weren't addressed already. It's it's just nice to know. It's like, hey, here's your nod. You know, you're going to get these. That stuff's going to continue to happen. It absolutely is. Um, and, and, and I think that there's something about these flashback scenes also that just feel... Um, a little bit different from the rest of the episode in, in, in all the right ways. And, and it's so great to see them because this is the first of a few that we'll get um, back in the, uh, the leap. We get this wonderful moment where Ben is going to fix the radio and mentions that he can Frankenstein this together. Like he used to, when he was a kid, he's worked with stuff like this before. And of course, Greer is like, Hey, that is, you know, new technology. How can you possibly know that? Uh, and <laughs> he says, it's a metaphor. Ronnie kind of gets after him. And it's, again, it's just this really nice moment because it, it, it's reminiscent again of some of the stuff from the classic series when Sam would say something like that and then have to cover for it. Um, and it just, it's a great reminder. It's like Ben is a man out of time. Like Ben has no idea. Uh, he, he, he has a feel sure for when he is, but he doesn't know for sure that it's 1978, right? He has no one telling him that he has no idea, uh, you know, really what's happening here other than the circumstances that he's in. And I think that Ray plays it so well, like there's just this wonderful, he's on his toes. Uh, ben, is so on his toes throughout the course of this episode and 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 there's this i i i wish i could define it but it's hard to articulate but there's this wonderful you know earned well-worn feeling about ben um and it's almost not quite because he's too compassionate for this but it's almost dismissive in a way of the idea that anyone would try to confront him about any of this sort of stuff because for him he's like hey I'm here to do my best to save all of you. So just shut up and leave me alone. And, and, and yet, you know, still playing into kind of the more humorous sides of things that provides some great moments of levity as well. And, and, and again, Raymond does such a wonderful job with that. And, and the writing of course helps him uh, in, in that department too. Um, he then of course has the line uh, about uh, MacGyvering the, um, uh, the radio and they call him out on that one too. He says he has an uncle and Ronnie's like, you have an uncle named MacGyver, uh, but on my mother's side. And again, it's just, I, I, I don't know. There's something really, really nice about those moments that I really like. And again, it feels very, you know, classic series in a lot of ways. Um, and I love the fact that we get to spend so much time with this guest cast because they're phenomenal. Um, and it, it's wonderful. We get some great information just prior to this about how the Abrams brothers were smuggling contraband into Vietnam. Um, 
you can look up Air America uh, or, or watch the film for, for more ideas about that. Um, Bailey apparently pissed off a general. Perez embezzled petty cash. We get this great moment. This is one of those moments I was talking about with Melissa where she has a moment where it really works for her. Uh, and, and it's nice that she flies a little under the radar prior to this where she says um, she was top of her class. And the only reason she's here is because, she, you know, she wasn't born a man. Um, and this is the only mission that they give her. And she wants it to be a success, not only for her, but for all of the other women serving their country. Uh, of course, Ronnie rebuts with, we're going to die for feminism. Um, and they're not quite on board. But eventually they get all, you know, uh, back on it. Um, ben, again, is calling for Addison as he's fixing the radio. He apologizes for not coming home. He thought that he was. Um, you know, he's trying to, to not be worried about her not making contact yet. Uh, but he also says that big chunks of his memory are coming back, which, of course, we've literally seen uh, by way of this flashback. Uh, I think it's great that that Ben's going to have those memories back. Um, it, it, I, Ultimately, the Swiss cheese thing, it worked incredibly well in the first season. It worked for the classic series, obviously, but it's not necessary, I think, in many ways for this right now. And I think that it's going to facilitate a deeper growth of character for Ben as we move forward um, by having those memories. So it was really kind of nice to kind of hear that, to see that in action. Um, and you know, he has this wonderful line. I think a perfect example of that is remembering Addison more means he's missing her more. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. By having these memories, it's going to add even more depth to an already wonderful character. Um, but he says he's got to make it home. He's going to make it home. And time, time will tell, right? Um, we get a really nice scene between Bailey and Ben. Um, you know, Ben asks about the ring. Bailey tells him they lost someone um, very important to him. Um, you know, Ben tells him that he's engaged and, you know, he hasn't seen her and hasn't been able to touch her. And uh, Bailey's surprised, he's, you know, and, and there's this thing about, you know, if you hit your head and, uh, and Ben's like, yeah, you know, maybe we should get that checked out. And it's, again, it's just another one of those wonderful little moments um, that are peppered throughout uh, uh, about Ben being kind of that man out of time and having to kind of watch his step, but not necessarily watch it too closely, right? You know, we can explain away anything, especially given the circumstances of this particular situation. Um, they see a truck approaching in the distance. Here come the Russians. Not a good thing. Uh, however, the team's able to uh, turn the tables and uh, you know fight them off, uh, tie them up. And Ben uses their radio to listen in on, on what the Russians need to know, basically, as far as... Um, you know, they're asking for a check-in. Ben knows Russian. He speaks Russian. Everybody's surprised. He says he's been taking night classes. Greer is just like, I don't really care. You know, what did you say? What's happening? Um, and they, you know, at this particular point, um, you know, it's it, it's clear that they've got to do something. And again, Greer does not want to leave the box. She does not want to leave that box. And she thinks they have to stay there and wait for someone to come to them. Uh, the Abrams brothers want to get the hell out of there. Um, they're, you know, they're really not having this. Uh, here's something interesting. I don't point stuff like this out very often, but it's so noticeable. I feel like if I don't point it out, people are going to be like, didn't he notice? Um, I still do that sometimes. Um it's, you know, it's, it's fast, but didn't they notice anyway? Um, and I, and I did notice. And what I noticed is, is that, um, uh, Francois Arnaud, uh, Bailey's scruff kind of keeps appearing and, and, and reappearing, uh, uh, throughout a couple of the scenes. And here it is noticeably lighter than it was in the previous scene. Um, it happens, you know, continuity stuff like that is bound to happen. It makes you wonder as far as what the shooting schedule was like, were there, you know, any reshoots that took place, um, which would be something interesting to kind of maybe find out and pick some brains about. Hopefully, hopefully figure Fingers crossed in the near future. Um, we shall see. Um, all this descent, however, uh, um, leads Ben to having another flashback. And it's um, a great flashback. We get to see Ian and Jen um, calling you know, Ben out for having the crush on Addison. Ian uh, tells Ben that they have run a program through Ziggy to, to determine uh, what the odds are of a romantic relationship between Ben and Addison. And it turns out Ziggy says they're 50-50. Uh, Ben's not very happy about that. Jen has a great line about coin landing on its uh, on its side. Um, Ian, of course, is, is, is still trying to you know reinforce the idea that it's like, Hey, you know, uh, who, who cares? Like you should do this. And Jen is right there, um, with them. And, and, and it's really nice. It, 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 again, it's just a wonderful moment. It's great to see, uh, Jen and, and Ian, um, who we've not really seen up until this point. And, and uh, these flashbacks facilitate that in a great way. And there's a reason for it. We'll get to that later. Ben decides at this point, uh, sometimes, yeah, you just got to kind of take a leap of faith and you got to do it. And so he's going to open the box. And as he does, so Bailey is like, Oh, I love you. And they both start to open the box and they find out that there are bricks inside. 
In essence, there's nothing inside that box. Here's where I want to take just a little detour. We've talked a lot and and obviously throughout the course of the first season about the sort of the mystery box idea and the numerous shows, of course, you know, Lost probably, you know, most famously in some ways um, have, have been dependent on that mystery box idea. And oftentimes uh, the explanations that we get for these things aren't quite as satisfying as we want them to be. And of course, throughout the course of season one, we certainly had some mysteries on our hand. And, uh, you know, that, that, that term, that fandom term, you know, the mystery box term got thrown around a lot. And in this episode, we literally have a mystery box. And when it's opened, it's just full of bricks. Now, I'm not saying that this is what Martin intended. And I'm just somebody who's reading too much into things probably. But it is hard not to read into this a little bit and think you had a box that was given to you and it just kind of weighed you down. And when you opened it up, you realized there was nothing worth anything in it. And and to me, as someone who loved the first season, unabashedly, I do. I love the first season. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a wonderful adventure. The thing I enjoyed the most was getting to know these characters, getting to learn about these characters, getting to see what they were put through. A lot of guessing got played early on. What does this mean? What does that mean? You know, even when Ben said he was there to save Addison, he leapt to save Addison, all the guessing about what does that mean? Save her life, do this, do that. Ultimately, all of that stuff, as wonderful as Judgment Day was for so many reasons, including the three ends, for instance, um, as wonderful as that was, the truth is the characters and what we saw from those characters and learning about those characters was to me much more important and much better than this, you know, big mystery box at the end of things about, you know, Ben leaping to save Addison, Martinez being there, you know, what's, what's happening next. And some of that stuff is great. I love that stuff. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. However, I'm saying that sometimes you have to realize that's not the point. And uh, our mystery box stories, ultimately just kind of empty stories in general, um, aren't the characters and their journeys ultimately more important and fulfilling than what's in the box? I mean, Hitchcock certainly thought so, right? Um, there's a great line, if this cargo was so important, why would they entrust it with the people they trust the least? Um, it's a decoy, you know, they're cannon fodder. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's great. Um, there's this wonderful, there's this wonderful moment too, where, uh, you know, Bailey talks about second chances and never getting back home. And it clearly strikes a chord with Ben and Ben, you know, as we saw him do multiple times throughout the course of the first season, as was stated that it was a quality that he had, he pulls everybody together. He rallies the troops in essence. And, um, and Raymond's awesome. You know, it's this great moment. He's able to reference Addison. Um, and, and, you know, he, he really kind of, he brings them together, but the great thing is, and another testament to the writing is he's not the one that really, really finally ties that knot. It's Greer. She takes charge and the mission takes a turn and, you know, we're Oscar Mike on the move. And, um, there's some great stuff in the truck because uh, they, they take the truck and they're going to drive to this uh, satellite a radio site, um, which um, was on the map that they got from the Russians, uh, which, you know, they assume is where they're radioing from and, and, and they're going to patch in and radio for help. Um, while they're on the way, uh, you know, we get, again, some nice humor about the betrayal uh, from the Abrams brothers. There's also a great moment in the truck where uh, Greer and Ben are talking about, um, you know, and then again, this is another one of those moments from Miss LaRoxburgh that's so great is that, uh, you know, she being a woman in the military and um, the obstacles in her way and wanting to complete this mission, wanting to basically prove a point. And Ben says, you know, he knows someone that would thank, want to thank her. Uh, and, uh, and of course, Greer is like, you don't know anybody from the future. What's going on? Maybe we should get your head checked out is another nice little nod to that uh from earlier and you know ben of course agrees but it is a nice moment because it reinforces the idea that you know obviously like greer is doing something that might be in service to a bit of a higher purpose here right like she's not exactly concerned with herself and that echoes something that we're going to hear later directly from addison who ben says would want to thank her for you know her, her service and for kind of opening those doors um which is great and 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 um 
it, yeah, it's it's a, it's kind of a wonderful thing because not only does it does it help us in this wonderful little character moment uh, for Greer and 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 Ben as well, but it also oddly enough, and this is one of those reasons I've talked about this before on the podcast at a play analysis class when I was a freshman undergrad, and one of the, the assignments we had was to was to write the names of all the characters in the play, and the entire class, myself included, were like, this is a joke, right? And we wrote the names of the characters in the play. And this particular professor had a habit of giving us assignments without really telling us what we were doing without, you know, and then afterwards would correct us, which is an interesting tactic and, and works to varying degrees, I suppose, for certain people. But that said, we just kind of were like, well, okay, we'll just write the names of the people in the cast. This is, here's your characters in the play. And he, of course, enlightened us all that those are not all the characters in the play. All the characters in the play are everyone who is talked about, mentioned, whether they have a name or not. It could be the paper boy. It could be the main character's brother whom we never see. And I think in this instance, of course, we see Addison, so it's a little bit different. But if you take this scene just on its own and excise it out of the script, it's wonderful because it not only tells us something about Greer and Ben, but it also tells us something about Addison. And it also tells us something about Ben's perspective on Addison. And it's just a really wonderful, like when you really just kind of cut that out and look at it, it's just a wonderful little bit of writing. And it's a wonderful scene and it's, it's small and it, and it doesn't necessarily hold, you know, a lot of meaning to the plot, to the, you know, to the story of this adventure uh, that they're having to go on after being shot down or whatever. It's a character moment, but it's really great. And, and it's stuff like that, that I love not only from this script, but just, you know, from the show in general, because I felt like we got moments like that in season one as well. Um, the truck pulls to a stop. They almost hit a landmine and uh, they get out. They're going to look to see if they can find it and who finds it. But Bailey and the way he finds it is he's standing on it. It's a pressure plate. So as long as it doesn't step off, it won't actually explode. At this point, we get a really wonderful moment for Bailey where he tells the team that, um, you know, kind of echoing the the earlier story that he was telling Ben about how he lost someone, that the person that he lost was um, his lover, Lieutenant Tom Miller. And um, Tom's parents read Tom's diaries after uh, Tom died, and they found out that, uh, you know, he was, he was gay and in this relationship with, um, with Bailey. And it just so happens that Tom's dad was a general, and rather than, you know, making a big deal out of it, trying to discharge him or anything like that. He decided to uh, assign Bailey to this team. And um, yeah, he's, he's shipped off to be a part of the disgraced, you know, half dozen before the, 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 the captain died. Of course, now it's only five, but um, it's, um, it's a really nice moment. And again, it's, it's just a really great character moment. And, and Arno does a wonderful job um, with it. And, Throughout the course of this episode, you know, it's one of those episodes where, you know, echoing back to like um, John Chafin and somebody up there likes Ben or um, um, Deborah Ann Wall in in, in uh, Fellow Travelers. Um, it, it, you just sometimes it's a shame that we only get to spend a little bit of time with these with these characters. And I wish that, you know, um, Francois Arnault in particular, like just as an actor, it's like, man, I really wish that we could get to see more of him. Uh, but again, it's, it's a wonderful moment. And, 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 and it's just one of the beauties of what quantum leap can do, right. Is that they can, you know, create like these mini movies every week um, and bring in, you know, this, these guest casts that can just rock it. And in this case, I, I would argue we've got probably the best overall guest ensemble that we have had up until this point. I, I bar none. Like I cannot think of another episode that had as strong of a guest cast uh, across the board as this episode. Um, ben devises a plan. Um, they refuse to leave him uh, and they are able to basically use their own weight uh, in descending order to uh, uh, to negate the pressure plate and, and, and any potential explosion. Whether or not that would really work, I have absolutely no idea. I've not done the research, but I'm sure somebody out there will. And uh, when they do, we'll hear about it. Um, but it's a nice moment. Again, the team is really gelling, you know, after all the descent that they've had there, you know, there's something about the way that, uh, Curtis shares the story with them that, that they're like, we're not leaving you, you know, we're all in this together. And even, even Enoch has this wonderful moment where he's like, he, he it's a moment that I feel like we've seen before where you'd have that dissenter who'd just be like, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. But instead it's wonderful because he's like, this is insane. We're all going to die. I'm in. And it's kind of, it's kind of lovely. It's, 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 it's a nice little, um, 
you know, playing against that that normal kind of moment where you have kind of the the character, the the archetype that we've seen Enoch in in, in other forms of, of of film and television before, and and they're the one that you know tries to get out of something, but he doesn't. You know, he's still he's still there with the team. He still exhibits that courage, which is which is really nice. I like that. Uh, ultimately, it works. They make it to the satellite, but it's not a radio site. It's a Sam site instead, uh, and it's the Sam site that likely shot them down. Um, it's a great miniature. I love the fact that they use a miniature for this. Uh, it, it, you know, miniature work when done well, just it's awesome. I, I think it raises the level of things a bit. Um, shoddy miniature work obviously will just screw everything up, but when it's good, um, it works so well. Even if you know it's a miniature, it doesn't matter because what it does is it it, it just it it lends a level of authenticity uh, that you wouldn't necessarily normally get had they, you know, tried to CGI it or tried to find something that looks similar enough or, or tried to build their, their own, you know, scale. Uh, um, but by having a scale miniature or whatever, instead, you know, a, they probably save a little money. Uh, B it, it looks better than CGI could. And, and, and it just really popped. I really loved it. And it was confirmed that that is actually a miniature for anyone who's wondering, you know, how I know that if, if they're not able to notice it themselves. Um, so at this particular point, um, they, uh, oh, this is actually, you know, I should mention, we got some Rolling Stones, Jumpin' Jack Flash in there. So spared no expense on the, uh, on the tunes. Once again, great soundtrack for the, for the show. Um, they bring the disarmed mine with them, which of course helps because as they, uh, go up to the Sam site, uh, um, Ben and, um, Bailey go, they radio for help. They, uh, are going to get an extraction as Ben is getting out of their, um, their communications however he taps into the russians on accident he hears that they have identified the other planes that they were the original decoy for and they're going to shoot them down and they found all that out because of course they sent a team after the original team that was going to uh investigate the, the crash site when they didn't return and told them everything and they found the empty decoy box because you know they obviously didn't have it with them so now ben is like we've got to stop them the team argue over what to do. Ben gets another flashback with a conversation with Addison about military service, serving something greater, a goal greater than any one of uh, us alone could accomplish uh, because Ben's scared. You know, he doesn't want her to go and, and, and he's worried about her and, and, and you know, he doesn't know what he'll do if something happens. And he asks the question, what if I lose you? And Addison says, then you'll come find me. And it's great. And it's a wonderful moment. Ben immediately asks her out uh, to dinner at a great Chinese place. And we basically now dovetailed with the season one finale um and the events that were are going to occur there it's really nice to kind of fill in those gaps and i love the way that they've done it it serves the leap story very very well it takes nothing away from the leap story the flashbacks are all compact against that economy of storytelling we get great character moments at this point the actors are so lived in in those roles nothing feels out of place and it works so well and none of it feels like just purely expository it, it serves a higher purpose um so there uh, Greer gets things back on track. Um, you know, she's, we're here to help people. Ben agrees and they, they finally have an important mission. Um, they tie the mine to the front of the truck. Um, Ben and Greer drive the truck in, they jump out. Uh, the missiles have already been shot. Ben says it's okay because once they, they blow things up, the missiles will, will turn to heat seek, which means they'll turn back to the explosion. Bailey's like, or not Bailey, excuse me. Greer's like, we better get out of here quicker. So they both jump out of the truck. Hits it, explodes, the missiles come back. Great VFX again with the destruction of the SAM site. It's really, really nice. Um, at this point, mission accomplished. Uh, we know that they're going to get in the truck, drive those five clicks to the uh, extraction site and get taken home. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to any of the characters because we don't have an observer. And the reason we don't have an observer uh, proper is explained to us in this moment because as Ben and the team are kind of celebrating, all of a sudden we hear Ian's voice. <sighs> I don't know if I should say this. I've known about this moment for a very long time and I have not told anyone <laughs> and I sat on it. Uh, I'm not alone. I am sure that there are others that, that, that were able to find out um, similarly to me. There, there was a, an audition side um, that uh, was out there for a moment before it got yanked off. And um, yeah, it, it is an incredible moment seeing it realized. And we find out that it's been three years. The project has been shut down as of a year ago. Ben was declared dead. They had a funeral. Uh, everything has changed. And then Ben leaps. 
It's magnificent. I I love this moment. And when I mentioned that refresh and I talked about it prior in the preview episodes that I did after I'd seen the first three screeners, this this is exactly what we're talking about. Everything has changed. This is not going to be more of the same. And the wonderful thing is, is it's not just story. It's character as well. Like these characters are now in a completely different situation. There's no chance of monotony uh, as we go on throughout season two. This refresh, this, 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 you know, upping the game has created a show. I don't want to say something as cliche as we've got a whole new show on our hands. But it feels like it in some ways. And I'm so excited for for what's next. And I I think that this was the right move for so many reasons. It was genius. It was smart. Um, it was Martin. This was this was his idea. And I think that to go back a little bit to that meta idea of the box, whether this is true or not, the idea that they can jettison kind of any of the weight that might have been holding them down or holding them back or that they felt beholden to beforehand in finishing season one. And that is not a criticism because I love season one. I love the work that was done on season one. I love the story that was ultimately told on season one. But now it just feels like we have a group of artists that can do what they want to do, how they want to do it without necessarily having to um, be tied to something that was set in place before they got there. And yeah, there's something, there's something in the air about this, about season two. I think it's, I think it's going to be phenomenal. And I think that this episode sets an incredible tone. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll tip my hand a little bit. Uh, I, I, I go back and forth between whether or not this episode or the third episode are my favorite out of the first three um, that I've seen thus far. Um, but it's great. And overall, I'm so excited that they have done this, that they've taken the chances that they've decided to take um, because it's a chance. And there are people that won't be on board. There are people that will be like, what is going on? There are other people that will, you know, that will maybe criticize it for different reasons. Who knows? But ultimately, I think it's genius. I think it's the smartest thing to do for many reasons. I am so on board and I cannot wait to see what comes next because, um, I, you know, the cast is just going to kill it. And the next two episodes have some incredible moments. Uh, episode two has one of my favorite moments and pieces of acting in the entire series thus far. Um, it's, it's an MIA level moment as far as I'm concerned. And I mean that. So uh, I'll tell you more about it next week. Um, but there it is. That's episode one of season two. This took too long. Written by Martin Garrow, directed by John Terleski, with an incredible guest cast headed by Melissa Roxborough, Francois Arnaud, uh, PJ Byrne, and Aaron Abrams. Um, of course, our regulars were amazing. Um, you know, Raymond Lee, Mason Alexander Park, um, Caitlin Bassett, Ernie Hudson, um, and Nerissa Lee. Everyone, you know, it, they didn't get a lot to do back at the project, obviously, but it's okay. Uh, and, and, and I know that we're going to get a lot more of them, uh, in the future, which, which is, uh, heartening to say the least, cause, cause I want to see more of them too. That said, the balance struck between project and leap stuff, obviously in this episode, it's almost entirely leap and it's great. You know, it, that's what the classic series was. And I think that if, if that's something you've been missing, you're going to have plenty of opportunities throughout the course of this season to see episodes like this, where most of what we get is the leap. Um, uh, there's still going to be plenty of stuff at the project, plenty of stuff for people at the project to do. We're going to get to see a lot of that. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I can't say any more at risk of spoiling any of the future episodes. Um, but overall, I'm 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 very uh, very excited about this, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what the rest of the fandom at large has to say. I'm looking forward to seeing what the the critics of the show uh, uh, have have to say. Um, you know, people that have maybe been unkind to the show in the past, because I think this is an opportunity to give it a second chance, and it deserves it. And uh, I think that this is it sets it apart from season one in a lot of ways. And I think that anyone who you know might have um, had issues with uh, the first season, I, I I'd like to think that perhaps they will not have as many issues with this season. Um, fingers crossed. Um, 
But next week, we get episode two of season two, Ben and Teller. Uh, you have seen a preview for it after the credits of uh, this episode, but I have not seen those before uh, this. So I cannot even speak to them and I don't even want to try uh, for fear of spoiling anything big. What I can tell you is we're going to get to see a little bit more of everybody. And um, yeah, it's 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 a good one. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that for now uh, at the risk of spoiling anything I'm not supposed to spoil, uh, which wouldn't really be a spoiler, I suppose, but it could be. So I will stop now. Um, thank you all so much. Thank you so much for your time, um, for listening or watching uh, as, it, as it may be. Um, and thank you for supporting Quantum Leap, not Fate's Wide Wheel, but Quantum Leap, because uh I just feel so strongly and passionately about the show. I always have felt this way about the show when I was a kid. I feel this way about the revival. Um, I loved being able to um, expose people to the show that had never seen it before or that had maybe seen an episode or they're like, oh, yeah, that one show with the guy and the time travel and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I, I held viewing parties at my apartment when I was in college. That's no joke. I had two distinct viewing parties. One was for a sci-fi channel all day marathon that they did. And another one was uh, it was Oscar night. And people came over early for Oscar night and we didn't watch Oscar movies. We watched a quantum leap mini marathon before the Oscars. So um, it's, it, you know, it's something that's always been near and dear to me. And uh, I know that there are some people out there, fans of the classic series that have not been able to get on board with the revival series. Um, I certainly think that they should give it another chance, especially in season two. Um, but I, I, I love it and I feel very passionately about it. And I think that there's an incredibly wonderful group of people working on it um, as well. And um and, and and I want to see more, and I hope that uh, negotiations uh, with SAG and AMPTP go well, and we're able to get actors in front of cameras sooner rather than later to finish off this incredible season. And uh, I I just I just want people to watch the show. I really really do. Um, I love talking about it, sure, but even if I never got to utter another word about the show, I would just want people to be watching and supporting and enjoying it because I think that I think that it's different enough from so many of the other shows that are out there right now. Um, and it can really, it can really do something very different than a lot of other shows on television. Um, I firmly believe that, um, I'm not going to say that it's a singular type of show. I think that there are other shows that are in line with it. Um, but this iteration of quantum leap, um, has provided, uh, a lot a lot for me, you know, personally, um, and, uh, within the fandom and, um, I'm proud to be a fan of it. I'm proud to be able to talk about it. And uh, I look forward to hearing what other people have to say about the show. So that's my spiel. Watch Quantum Leap uh, Wednesdays, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Um, my name's Sam. This is Fate's Wide Wheel. Thank you so much to all of uh, the patrons um, who support the show. As always, um, look around your community, see if there's something you can do to help out. Uh, if you want to help the world at large, I will always suggest the Trevor Project or Doctors Without Borders. Um, those are two charities that I uh, love dearly and support and have supported for quite a while now. Um, if after all that, you still have some change jingling around and you want to toss it our way, then by all means, please go to uh, Fate's Wide Wheel um, on Patreon and uh, sign up, become a patron. If you do, you will get access to our um, our uh, pre-show, post-show, watch-along hangouts uh, on Wednesdays, um, which we have had some special guests drop in uh, before, which has been a lot of fun. Um, and you will also get early access to any interviews that I do with any cast or crew members um, going forward when that is able to happen again. Obviously, that's not something that we're doing right now, um, out of deference, of course, to the strikes. But that said... Um, um, hopefully we'll be able to get some of those in there soon. Um, they will always be available to everyone. However, uh, you'll just kind of get first dibs on them. Uh, if you're not in a place financially to support the show right now, but you are interested in some of this content, shoot me an email, let me know and uh, see what I can do. Um, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of new technology, new services, et cetera. I'm not using Zoom anymore. Um, and uh, things should work out. Hopefully they worked out tonight. It's going to be a little different um, going forward, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. So anyway, 
Um, thank you all so very much. Uh, those of you that, that currently support the show, I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm, you know, it, it kind of, you know, knocks my socks off that people do that um, and, 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 and want to support in that way. So um, I thank you. I thank you so very much for that. And I will certainly um, do what I can to offer even more, um, often e even more for the wonderful people that have supported us, not only for so long, but I've supported us just recently because we have a new supporter and that is James Gould. And it looks like James is from New Zealand. So James in New Zealand, thank you so very much. Um, you know, I, I have to say, not only am I just kind of blown away by the fact that people support this show financially, uh, but the fact that we have listeners all over the world. When did that happen? And yes, I still say we because this is still does not feel like a solo endeavor. And one of the reasons why it doesn't feel that way is because of people like you. And I'm not just talking to James. I'm talking to anyone who's watching or listening right now. Um, I thank you so much for being a part of this, for being a part of this awesome fandom and for allowing me into your ears. Um, or if you're watching, which oh, I look, I'm, it's, I'm tired. It's bad. You know, my spouse is out of town right now. It's just me and the kiddos. Whew. It's a lot. What can I say? Um, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our patrons, as I have been doing recently, and that's going to be Dermot Devlin. Dermot, I think you're awesome, and I appreciate so much the way that you share in social media. Um, we are uh, friends on Facebook, friends uh, over on the Twitter X, whatever we want to call it, and um, you sharing your stories and um, sharing not only your stories, but also your um uh, how do I want to say this? What's the right word to say? Uh, 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 um, your, your drive and your passion for, uh, causes, uh, involving, uh, disabled people is incredible. And, uh, I, I just, I, I think you're fantastic. And, uh, not only of course, all of that, but you're an awesome fan of quantum leap and some of the cosplay that you've done, uh, is fantastic. And of course, um, the, the comments that you've had about the show in the past, uh, have been enlightening as well. And I've enjoyed the conversations uh, that we've been able to have via uh, social media. So thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for your support. Really, really, truly appreciate it. Um, and yet someone else who was actually not in, in the U S either, um, over in Ireland. So, um, yeah, yeah. Just blown away. Uh, appreciate you all. I'm going to get out of here. It's definitely time to go. This went on a little bit longer than I thought, but what's new? Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for everything. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Stay safe out there. And remember, always, always leap responsibly. <laughs>